0: Hey there. Welcome to ATL in 29, the podcast that looks at the NBA from the starting point of Atlanta. Uh, my name is Kevin Shenard. I'm here again with Tyler Jones. And Tyler, Kyle Korver is going back to his former team.
1: Yeah, congrats to him. He gets to leave Cleveland, go, to, <laughs> uh, go back to one of his original stopping grounds in Utah. So I guess that's i would be a nice uh, w- welcome change to pace for him, uh, considering what a what a mess Cleveland was, specifically towards him and his situation.
0: Right. Uh, so this is the official death knell for the protected first round pick, even though it's been functionally gone for a long time.
1: I mean, the death knell happened when LeBron James left, so I don't, I don't really. <laughs>
0: There wasn't hope, like, you know, when Kevin Love got that extension, weren't you, like, a little bit hopeful that they could be lightly subcompetent? No, because Kevin Love hadn't been, I mean, Kevin Love
1: hadn't been that good. Like, I, I and they, they just signed him to a lot of money so they didn't lose him. Like, he'd been okay, but, like, the Minnesota Kevin Love, I don't think, was ever coming back. So, no. if that wasn't coming back... And you know the rest of the roster was just a mismatch of old guys who weren't good when LeBron was (laughs) boosting them up, and now that he's gone, I'm I'm stunned that they're they're still bad. Uh, Though it is good to see Tristan Thompson kind of regain his form a bit; he's starting to play uh, better. Yeah, Uh, Colin Sexton showing showing why he was a lottery pick, so uh, that's been good. They they they've had some like Cleveland had some bright spots overall. It's just you know. This idea they're going to win thirty games, play better defense without LeBron James. Like, come on, guys! Like, the the talent's just not there.
0: I mean, I didn't think they were going to. I thought they were going to be just probably, you know, the worst defensive team in the league. Like, I thought they would be terrible on that end. But I thought maybe they would be like functional offensively, like maybe a top ten offense, and that could drag them to like thirty five wins or something. But yeah, that's not going to happen. So, Uh, did you win this league? Go ahead. I mean, it's hard to win in this league, and
1: it's especially hard when you, you just don't have a primary ball handler that can, you know, get in, get to the rim and generate offense for other guys. And, you know, all, the only guy that can who can potentially do that is Sexton, and he's a rookie. So it's just – yeah, that's just been the – it's just a domino effect of, you know, they do have – it's not like they don't have veteran talent that can't help a basketball team. It's just that, you know, without that driving force – Guy who can get to the rim and make plays like it's just hard it's just i mean it's just difficult for them to generate good looks on offense that they have to like cleveland's offense is basically um pull up mid-range jumpers and when they go in they can you know teams are going to give those up and when they go in they have a chance to win games but it's just not a it's not a recipe for success
0: okay uh does Corver do anything to fix what ails Utah? Yeah, but I, you know what ails Utah is that
1: they're missing open three pointers. So I imagine he would help in that department. But I mean, really, at some point, you know, you, you like you think that Donovan uh, Mitchell, Ricky Rubio will start, you know, hitting their threes and they'll start playing better. It's, I mean, that's what led to their, you know. Their second half jump last season is when, you know, Mitchell and Rubio started, you know, making shots. And right. Then the rest of the offense, I mean, the, their defense then became dominant because, you know, they were no longer giving up uh, transition buckets because they were making more shots. Right. Like I, Like, it's it, it, that and, you know, th- they've also had a difficult schedule. That's something that Stan Van Gunny had pointed out earlier today on the Dan Levitard show that you know the Jazz have played 20 of their 22 games against teams with a record above 500 so you know it, it's a it's a variety of issues but you know it's not like we haven't seen Utah do this before the good thing is that you know Rudy Gobert is healthy and he's still a beast defensively so you know you you, you would expect that you know at some point they're going to start making their threes and Kyle Kove would definitely help with that uh, help with that in that regard
0: okay I'm I'm not holding my breath waiting for Rubio to start making threes like he did last season though.
1: Uh, I mean he's capable. It's <sighs> you know he's not he he will go through these these peaks and valleys. He he's done this like Ricky Rubio has gone through. He's a peak and valley player where where he will just not make shots for months on it, and then all of a sudden he'll have a two month stretch where he's making his jumpers, making his open looks, and all of a sudden that unlocks you know the offense for for the team he plays on. So.
0: Yeah, that's he, very that's very have, Dennis Schroeder.
1: Yeah, so he'll have stretches where he plays better. The issue is that he's just not a consistent. Like if he were a consistent shooter, he'd be, you know, you know, a much better basketball talent would be you know paid more. But I mean, he's still quality uh, caliber starting point guard. It's just you know it, it's it's a struggle primarily because really, if you want to b- boil it down, is that you know Ricky can't finish at the rim. And so all, like, he just doesn't have the explosion anymore, really, right. ever since he had ankle surgery. So mm-hmm. it's just, if he's not making his, you know, his jumpers, he's kind of toast as a basketball player uh, because teams know he's looking to pass. So, you know, it, it, it's just, it, it's one of those things. And, you know, Donovan Mitchell's not making any shots either. And he's been kind of, he's been laboring through a variety of injuries. So Utah's just been... It's just been a struggle for them to score. And, you know, Corver should help space the floor a bit more, make the game a bit easier for their playmakers. And then maybe maybe that will relieve some stress on uh, on uh, those two guys to start making some shots and, you know, Jazz will start winning more games.
0: Speaking of former Hawks, uh, Oklahoma City is now good. They yeah, started I mean, out pretty it's, rough.
1: It's their defense.
0: Yeah. They have yeah, no shooting, and, but
1: they you know, have defense. It, yeah, their, their offense is still bad, but you know when you have uh, it, it's just they, they're the, one of the best. I think they're the best defense in the NBA in terms of defensive rating and all those good metrics. But uh, if they're not, they're up there. But you know when you have Russell Westbrook, he gives you, you know, while the offense isn't particularly good, or you know no team's really scared of it. It is a problem that. You know he can't get himself an open look, you know, off of nothing action, and you're not going to score against them on the other end. So it, they're they're just like wearing teams down with the physicality and their length and athleticism, on mm-hmm. defense. And then you know, getting, you know, Westbrook just being Westbrook. Uh, you know, we can quarrel about the efficiency all all you want. At the end of the day, the guy, the guy gets points on the board, and it's a it, it's a recipe for success for for the Thunder uh, during the regular season. And it really helps that, you know, the Western Conference just isn't as good uh, or not as good. It's more, uh, there's a lot of parry within the Western Conference. That's fair. Where essentially every team is playing, you know, around 500 basketball except the Sun. So, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, this, I mean, the, the Thunder has something hanging their hat on it's their elite defense, and it, it'll it carry them um, for, you know, against most teams. And since there's no, like, since, you know, the Golden State's been hampered there really isn't that elite team out West without, you know, Steph Curry, you know, they can basically be, in, be favored in most of the games that they play, because they know that no team can really score on their defense. You know, Paul George right. playing some incredible basketball again, so...
0: They're the best you know, offensive rebounding team too. So, like,
1: yeah, the shooting Adam,
0: doesn't the shooting doesn't well, hurt them as much. You know, if you have guys like Westbrook and Schroeder who are good at driving, if they're taking those shots at the rim against help defense, you've even softened the defense for offensive rebounds even more.
1: Yeah, and I mean, it like ideally they would have more shooting, but I'm. Pretty sure Sam Preston and Co are okay with the fact that, hey, all our wing defenders that come into the game are good defenders and, you know, you're not they, they hang their hat on you're, you're just not going to get easy looks on us uh, on defense and then uh, uh, when we're on offense, we're going we're gonna to make some tough shots and, and when we don't make our shots Stephen Adams is going to grab every offensive. you know, going to grab like 25% off like, or, you know, they, you're just not you're not going to get a defensive rebound against Steven Adams like he's just going to cause problems for you so it's I mean it's a recipe for success during the regular season exactly Uh, their lack of their lack of shooting when the playoffs come around though yep that's when that's when you know their inability to score is just going to kill them uh, against Mm the elite the elite teams even out west uh so you know we'll, we'll see with them but uh you know they're playing some good basketball right now
0: sure uh, I guess to bring it back to the Hawks, what are you expecting from Schroeder? We're recording this on a Thursday night, so tomorrow, on Friday, Dennis Schroeder gets his first chance at regular season redemption against the Hawks. What are you expecting from him?
1: I mean, the same Dennis Schroeder, as always. He's going to drive to the rim. He's, uh, you know, he's got, he'll get to the rim at will. Doesn't matter who's guarding him, but... Uh, He'll, he'll miss some layups uh, because he's not that crafty of a finisher, but then he'll make some just due to the volume of shots he gets there. He's going to settle for a lot of mid-range jumpers that he'll knock down because he's a good mid-range shooter. Right. And, uh, you know, he'll probably be motivated to play uh, defense. He's been playing better defense this season, apparently. Yep. But, you know, to me, it's just – even with all that, like, you, you look at his – I mean, it's okay. Uh and he's given he's given the Thunder more than Carmelo Anthony would have oh. ever
0: done. So. Oh my goodness! Wow, so, that like, just came out been, of nowhere. There's no a, that's not even a comparison. Like, Cam- yeah, Carmelo is terrible, and like, yeah, and
1: I mean that's what they replaced, and so like it's been a like he's been a big reason why they've been you know at oh, this absolutely. boost because absolutely I, again while the efficiency is not there with Dennis, he can generate a shot for himself. That's something you know. That's something that you notice with the Hawks is that the inability of, of guys outside of Trey Young uh, yep. to generate open looks for themselves. You know, John Collins can do it a bit, but that's, that's not really what you want him doing. It's really just Trey Young and Jeremy Lin. Everybody else is kind of it's been pretty rough when uh, one of those guys isn't on the floor in terms of shot creation, and that and that's what the Hawks have. You know, they they've missed they've missed Dennis Schier's ability to just to just generate shots, like just in general. Because um, the the offensive talent, like the the offensive creation talent, just hasn't been there for the Hawks. And mm. so while the while the Thunder aren't aren't efficient, they aren't particularly good offensively. They are they are going to get a shot up. They're not going to turn the ball over or make them. You know, they're, they're not going to just give the ball away trying to make the right pass or trying to make the extra pass. That's not really there. They're going to get, you know, they're going to take bad shots, but, you know, it's better than what the Hawks have been struggling with, which is getting no shots. Uh, you know, and then even when, they, when the Thunder do get shots up, they're going to get the offensive rebound. So, they're winning. To, like, the Thunder may not be winning the efficiency game. <laughs> they're winning, they're winning they time winning of possession. possession game. Yeah. so it's, it's, <laughs> They have a good I running mean, game. break. Yeah, no pass. I mean, it's true though. Like, yeah. they they win with physicality and defense, and yep. like you're not gonna like you're gonna struggle to grab a rebounds against them. So, like it's the th- like the Thunder. It's gonna be a tough night for the Hawks in general because you know Steve Adams is a pretty bad matchup for both Desmond and Lynn with his physicality, length, and size. So, it's gonna be a struggle for them to grab uh, any you know defensive rebounds, especially if it's contested.
0: All right, it's time to turn it back to Atlanta. Enough of the general NBA, but before we do Atlanta basketball, I'll make you go on the record and tell me what you think is going to happen to the Atlanta United tonight. I'm making you do all these weird predictions. We don't usually do that, but what the heck? Have at it. This is this is well, this is not going to be the newest chapter in Atlanta disasters, is it? Uh,
1: I doubt it. Um, is you know they just need to really just score eight. I mean they. As long as they don't give up four goals, they'll be fine. If they score eight goals, like, it's, it's money in the bank just based on um, uh,
0: the road the goal, how, they, how
1: yeah. road goals are counted or whatever. So, mm-hmm. I mean, they, they're the overwhelming favorites to go through. They don't need to win. They have, a, like, they basically have, a, they have three goals to play with. So, as yep. long as they don't lose by four, they'll be fine. Um, ideally, they score goals so they, you know, they can rest easy. Uh, force you know the Bulls to play outside, force the Red Bulls to play a bit outside their comfort zone because you know against Atlanta, uh, if if you're going to attack, like as long if as long as uh, the Bulls are going to try to attack and score, they're going to leave themselves up for counter opportunities, and that's where the Hawks, I mean, that's where the United at their best with, especially with uh, especially with uh, Miggy. Back, Miguel. We're on, you know, running things. So, it, they they I feel like they sh- they should go through comfortably. I I wouldn't be too worried uh, unless you know a massive a massive choke job happens <laughs> on on their end. But I don't I don't suspect that to happen. They they're too talented to to just give up four goals in a game and not score any. So, I, I, like if you're a United fan, listen to this. I mean, you're probably gonna listen to it after the game. So yeah, it's gonna be super weird when you hear it. But, I you know, it's, I wouldn't be too concerned at all. Okay. Go ahead and buy
0: those tickets uh for Woo, December uh, 8, you know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> all right. Uh it it's been a while. I I've, I've been grinding out the home stand and I went to Charlotte last night, so uh, it's been a while since we recorded and I think the biggest thing that's happened to the Hawks since the last time we talked is that we've seen a substantive amount of of John Collins and you know, it's hard to think of anything that's really a whole lot more important to the Hawks future other than him and Trey young. So, I mean, that's, that's an important development. And so, you know, where where do you think the team is at with respect to him? And, you know, what kind of team are they when he's actually rounded in the lineup?
1: I think the team that they've been for this past week is more or less what they are. You know, a team that can, you know, that can be, you know, if they if they play, if the Hawks, you know, don't turn the ball over 20 right. plus times, uh, which is rare apparently. <laughs> but, you know, as long as they, as long as they don't turn the ball over and um, so many times, like, they, they have a chance to, you know, be in and win every game that they play. In. And, you know, even last night against the Hornets, you know, I, I didn't think they played poorly. I think they just didn't make shots. So, like they um, only shot like a, they got up over forty threes and only made eleven, of them, so right, you know it, that that was like you know they lost by fourteen, but a lot of it was the Hornets were just packed. Like I, I didn't I didn't really care for what the Hornets were doing defensively. They just packed the paint and hope you know the Hawks shooters missed shots, and they did. So kudos kudos to Charlotte on that one, but you know overall like the, the, this this stretch of game since. Uh, um Since, you know, John Collins is – they took John Collins off the minutes limit Mm -hmm. and they got – they inserted Kevin Herter into the starting lineup. Like, the offense has looked better in the sense that Trey Young is getting more catch-and-shoot opportunities for three. And that's been a boost. That's Mm -hmm. just – like, that's just really, you know, allowed for the Hawks to look like – to, you know, be good offensively and really – and, you know, we talk about this all the time. When the Hawks aren't turning the ball over, they are getting the shots that you want. It's just that, right. you know, they, they're they they terrible with the ball in their hands. And they're there's a variety the of reasons battle. for that. Yeah, exactly. But one thing you can't say with John Collins in the game, you know, being back, that's probably been the biggest boost that he's given the team is that while individually John Collins' offensive rebounding rate isn't that great, like it's night and day what the Hawks are being able to do on the glass when he's in the game because he he generates so much uh, help. Like, it's, it's opened up guys like Kevin Herter, like Amari Spellman, like Dwayne Desmond et cetera, Alex Lynn, uh, to get those offense rebounds that they just weren't getting at all uh, before John Collins came back. So that's been a major boost to why, if, if it feels like, men the Hawks are playing better basketball recently, that, that's, that's probably the biggest reason why. It's just, you know, John Collins' gravity at the rim. He forces teams to help. Which opens up, you know, uh open catch and shoot three opportunities for both Trey Young and Kevin Herter. And then when the shots go up, like he requires uh so much attention as an offensive rebounder that, you know, it frees up it frees up those uh those opportunities for the other guys.
0: It you know, that that that's a good point. And it reminds me of one thing that I saw, and I think it was actually even before the minutes restriction came off. One of the you know, John Collins is the Hawks best athlete and sometimes that shows up in ways that you wouldn't they're not even traceable in the box score because, like, you know, one of the things, one of the first games bat, you know, I think it was Trey Young who drove, and one of the things that makes me really nervous about Trey Young is like if he drives and he doesn't take one of those floaters, like if he tries like the a Kyrie Irving type shot where he kind of gets under the rim and then has to kind of pick which side to kind of spin it up on. If that, if that shot goes in, it's great. And, you know, he's, he's good at doing it. But if he misses that shot, it's basically a power play for the other team because he's in bad position. He's got his momentum working against him. And, he's you know, he's already at a defensive disadvantage to begin with just based on his size and his athleticism. So, like, one of those first games that John Collins was back, you know, Trey tried one of those shots, missed it. He's pinned under the bat, you know, he's, he's totally out of position for, you know, playing transition defense at that point. And John Collins didn't get the rebound, but he just kind of, you know, got in a tip-tip battle with the other team before somebody actually corralled it. The other team got the rebound, but just the fact that he was in there battling, Trey Young got to his feet, got back, and he was in position to play defense at that point just because of that, that athletic the athleticism and the fact that the other team had to account for it and be responsible and match up with him, you know, it just kind of masked one of the problems that the Hawks have for, you know, two and a half seconds and, and until the Hawks kind of get back under their feet. Exactly.
1: I mean, because before, I mean, just in general, before, you know, John came back. Teams didn't have to worry about grabbing a defensive rebound. The Hawks were too easy to grab, sure. uh, you know, rebounds against. So that just fueled that. That further exacerbated the Hawks' problems in transition, where you know it, it 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 would just be like teams could send you know their four guys down the floor immediately when the shot goes up, just because they knew like the Hawks really didn't have didn't have anybody to really threaten as an offensive rebounder. Now, with John in the fold, like, you you have to put – you have to have two on him just to tip the ball away from him or he's going to get the rebound and, you know, hurt you. Um, So, he's been a boost that way. He's also been a boost in general just with his activity level, uh, especially uh, running the floor. Like, he's so fast that he requires guys to sprint. Like, he just causes havoc in general with his, you know, speed and athleticism all – you know, in all facets of the game, both offensively and defensively. Defensively, so I mean, he's just been a major boost. Um, you know, one one thing you can say has definitely improved has been his passing. He's throwing some, he's throwing some pretty good dimes, setting guys up for easy shots, both from three and at the rim. Which, which is something that's good to see. It's good to see uh, progression from him. Uh, right. And you know, while he hasn't made, while he hasn't made, oh, I think he's only made two threes on the season, and he hasn't really like a good tried that, that many. Yeah, I mean, it, it's been a it's good. It's been it's probably been more due to the fact that he's just been so good. Uh, exactly, you know, getting shots at the rim that yep. you know those opportunities in general haven't been there though. Mm-hmm. They were there last game when when the Hornets just like like I said, the Hornets packed the paint, and he did get right. he got three uh, shot attempts from you know good looks that he just that just didn't go down, but. You know, I he'll start shooting three more threes more when you know teams really start uh, taking that option away and asking to uh, pick and pop more than, than pick and roll. But uh, and
0: you he's know, he's already fine from the corners. Like whatever his numbers are this season from the corners, I would not worry about. It. He is he's going to be a you know absolutely rock solid corner three point shooter, and you know we'll see about the rest.
1: If you can't say uh, an issue is that, you know. I can't say that, you know, with Deadman not being as good of a roller as either Collins or Lynn, like right. it's hard to justify just having John exactly. standing in the corner. Yep. With Deadman rolling and that's and that's been it that's been an issue um in these recent mm-hmm. games. And, you know, it's gonna be interesting to see how Lloyd Pierce manages all of this where it's really it like, you know, Kent Bazemore suffered from this as well where you know, Bazemore's strengths and weaknesses as a basketball player kind of hurt uh, Trey Young, even though he, in the average, Kent Bazemore was helping the team overall. But because yes. Kent Bazemore wasn't that, you know, wasn't a, as such a knockdown shooter as Herder is or, you know, have the passing acumen that Herter does, like it kind of hurt uh, the, Trey Young in particular in that too much was being put on Trey mm-hmm. to generate good looks for everybody. And so another situation where you can see is that, you know, Deadman not making his open three point attempts has really uh, shrunk, you know, has really shrunk the floor where, you know, teams aren't re- like the big, like, no nope, teams are, aren't respecting Deadman as a shooter. And until he starts making some threes or like, it, it's going to be a struggle to get those, you know, easy alley-oop op- opportunities for John Collins. So. Right. It'll be. It's going to be interesting to see what how Laurie Pierce manages this. He might just go with you know. We already see it a bit with John playing more five yep. uh, in recent games,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and you could see that potentially continuing, or uh, maybe trying uh, John Collins, Allison Lynn Linus more just so that you know the other aspect. You know, John Collins shooting because I think I think Collins shooting. Can, can be a strength for him sure. but that can only that can only occur if he's playing alongside guys that will threaten around the rim. You know, at the yep. moment it's really it's just, you know, it's just him and, you know, Trey Young driving. That's it. So like that's not, you know, you can't really like if if you're looking at John Collins shooting, I don't know what he's shooting. I think what I thought was like 20%. I think he's only made two three. I think
0: it's 2 season, for but, 13 for the season. If yeah, I remember right.
1: yeah. I mean, that's, you know, super small sample size, exactly. but at the same time at the same time, the problem is that he's not getting much volume up. The problem up. He's no, he's is the volume. That
0: volume that's right. The problem yeah, is the, the volume. Yeah, the
1: problem is the volume, and he's not getting threes up primarily because the guys he's playing with just aren't, you know, just aren't threats uh, yeah. like like he is in particular, so it, it, it's been, it's you know, so there, there may be like, you know, it's it's good. On one hand, it's good to see that Lloyd Pierce has shortened the rotation. He's only playing ten guys every game. Um, he's not doing the twelve, twelve guys in the first quarter anymore right. uh, thing. So he he has a set rotation, and we can we can argue back and forth of who should and shouldn't be in the rotation. I think it has helped those guys overall to know, hey, you know, I'm going to get these minutes. You know, I don't have to stress if I play well. Like he's not going to yank me all that good stuff. I know what the minutes I'm going to get. So. I can just do my thing and play my role. And I think I think that's helped uh Spellman these in these uh recent stretches because he's playing a lot better recently. But that's true. I also think uh it it's helped the team overall where there's just a bit more continuity with how they're playing.
0: Yeah, and going back to the Collins three point thing, like they're not really seeking out just kind of the standard pick and pop stuff. Like, you know, for him his threes are coming when he's not in the play if, you know it's like he's not he's not taking like the Horford three-pointer where he's in the play as a screener you know his stuff is just kind of away from the ball and so that's why he's not I mean the, the Hawks can try that at some point but they're not there they haven't really tried it to this point it would be interesting you know yeah, once, it, once this is a lost season it would be interesting to just see them you know try that when it's the right call against whatever opposing teams are thrown out there defensively but I mean, as of at, for you know, for right now, that doesn't seem to be something that they desire a whole lot, which is fine.
1: I will. I mean, he did do it a lot in summer league, so it, it you know it he's just coming back, so it might be something where he's trying to get his rhythm and you know mm-hmm. his rhythm is around the rim. Sure, exactly. And so, like you might see, you might see it more as the season goes along. I, you know, it's probably you know it's it's a you know it's a learning it's a learning process for everybody involved, but you know. Even even with the pick and pops, uh, you know, it, you, you would just like to see him like John in particular. You just like to see him do it um, a bit more, just to vari- put some variety in his game. But I understand why he's just rolling hard to the rim every time because it is generating open looks for the other, for his teammates. Absolutely, so, you you know what I'm saying. So it, it's the like, best thing that they have. The yeah, it's the it's the best you know option that they have is John Collins rolling at the rim every time because yep. that, that's going to get somebody an open three point attempt. The problem is that you know guys aren't hitting their three pointers. If you look at everybody's shooting splits, yep. uh, it's Torian Prince, Vince Carter, Jeremy Lin, and Kevin Herter, and Alex Porter is the only guys who are shooting above thirty five percent three yep. Yep. this season, and Jeremy is the only one shooting 40 percent uh kevin hurt is close at like 39 so and there's a, you know, a got, whole like, bunch of
0: guys at 30 like there's just like 30 know, and below
1: with trey so Yon, you know, being at 25 percent. yeah so it, it, it's it's been a like they they're they're just not hitting the shots that they're generating from three so on the, on the positive end that should regress um uh, towards league average because you know, all, all the guys that are taking these shots, like Kent Baysmore and Trey Young in particular, they're better shooters than what, what they've shown during this season. Um, you can even say Spellman as well, where, you know, he's a better shooter than a 30% three point shooter. But, uh, you know, now that he's getting, now that he knows that his role is back up four, four or five and getting consistent minutes, he might be able to shoot a bit better from three as well. And you can say, say the same for uh, Dedman, who, uh, you know, I, you know, he, he's going to shoot better than what he has shot. But right. Re, you can say that a reason why the Hawks are, you know, not really struggling, the, you know, the, a reason why, you know, the Hawks isn't is as good as it could be, that Desmond isn't hitting his three, open three-pointers this season. So hopefully right. that will regress back to what he did a bit last season. Maybe not as good, but just somewhere, somewhere where teams will start respecting his jumper again, and then, you know, the Hawks' offense can get rolling.
0: Yeah, when you talk about regression to the mean, like I feel like that's something that we can count on for Deadman and Bazemore because they've done it in the NBA before over a, a season. You know, it, it's different for Alex Len and it's different for DeAndre Bembry. They're both right in the 31 and a half range. You know, those aren't players who have gone a full season showing that they can make a three point shot. So I still you know, we could talk about regression to the mean, and I think that there are means for guys like Deadman and Bazemore, but I'm not sure that there are for Bembry and Len.
1: That's true, but, you know, it's probably more important than Bazemore uh, yeah. than right, really yeah. even anybody so else sure. because Bazemore shoots way more three. Like, right. Bazemore shoots way more threes and, yep. yeah, than all these other guys. Like, you know, Benbury, it's just – like, honestly, it's just okay that he's taking them, um, you know, instead of what he was doing last season, which was not take – like, his first two seasons in the NBA, he just wasn't taking threes at all. So, you know, this has been a, a positive time for him. And it's, you could say the same with Alex Lynn, like, that while the percentage isn't there, it's just good that he's taking them and he's not hesitating. Um, and that, you know, it, you know, make being a good 3 pointed shooter in the NBA, that takes time. Like that, you know, and so, uh, you know, ultimately I would expect that Ben Bazemore will start making more of his, uh, three points that he, that he was open. Cause like, I mean, the last game he was over 10, over six from three. And, you know, it's the Hawks just aren't going to win many games when he's struggling. Uh, from, from the field like that.
0: What about the, what about Trey Young's threes? Like, I mean, I mean, we're talking about all different kinds of stuff. Like you mentioned, you know, with Collins in the offense, he's able to give it up and get it back and take, you know, a corner open three pointer, which, you know, is a small, at least to this point in the season is a small percentage of the overall three point attempts that he make or that he takes. but, he's taking six threes a game and you know, a lot of those threes are pull up from 30. What do you, what do you make of those? We, you know, we're...
1: you know, it's, I think it's difficult with trade because um, I wouldn't be shocked if he ends up uh, around 32, 33% just because of the, quality of threes that he takes uh but at the same time you know teams do guard him as a they still guard him as if as a super dangerous guy just because he has he has such range from his three even if even if he's not making them right um you saw it against you saw it against the hornets where it's a mistake to not rush out to him uh, when he uh, gets the ball and, and he has his feet set from, like, th- from the logo. Like, it, it's, like, that's a good shot for him. He's, like, if you break it down, uh, his struggles of all, like, from three have all just been his pull-up threes have just not been there. And it's not like he's not getting separation.
0: Right. You get, like,
1: he's crossing guys up, getting good shots, and he, they're just, you know, they're just not dropping in, you know, take. Pull up three points, that's the hardest shot in the NBA. So, you know, that he that might not come this season, but you know, as long as he's making the uh, catch and shoot threes, he's mm-hmm. still around thirty eight, thirty nine percent on the season. Um and with you know, Collins and Herter playing with him more often, he should get more looks from that. And so his shooting should go up. But I I still would suspect that the pull up threes will start start dropping with more uh, with with just due to the sheer ball, like as long as he's going to keep taking them and they're going to be open. Like, I I just feel like in general, like he's too, he's too talented to me to to end the season shooting below 30% as a three point shooter. Just, and you know, for that to happen at this point, he's going to have to start making um, pull up threes. Uh, I will say the quality of the, I feel like the quality of threes that he is taking has gotten a lot better um, with Collins in. And with her, just because, you know, it might be something on his end where he he might have uh, put away some of his more more uh, aggressive uh, three point shot attempts, I would say. And it's uh, he's kind of he's getting back to the basis where uh, he's do, he's repositioning his body before before he catches the ball to, in order to fake the defender out to get an open three pointer. You saw that a couple times where he's – you know, guys are setting screens. He's around 30 feet, you know, he's three or four feet behind the three point line, but what he's doing on these uh, DHOs are on uh, DHOs are on just simple um, screen actions that he's pivoting before he gets the ball and like doing shoulder fakes in order to get separation that way. And, you know, baiting guys into going one way where they think he's going to drive. And instead he's going to take the open three, but, um, you know, at the end of the day, I, as long as, like, to me, as long as he's taking them, I, I'm fine. Uh, just because, again, like, the NBA is tough. It's, like, you know, it's the hardest league in the world. I, I feel like it's probably the hardest league in the world in any sport. He's not that big. And, I, like, to me, it's more important that he's able to take um, these threes at this level of volume at, at, at this juncture of his career as a 20 year old than he is making them. ideally you'd like him to make more like the one for 26 stretch was really brutal. Um, that, that really dragged everything down for him in his game where, you know, he just wasn't making any type of three and, you know, teams just weren't respecting it. And that, that kind of just, that, that had a snowball effect where it affected everybody else, where Trey's not doing anything. Then, well, I, I got to do something as Kent Bazin or I got to do something as Torian Prince or I got to do something as, you know, insert player X and it, it it led to a lot of bad mistakes and, you know, the Hawks played their worst basketball on the season during that 1-26 through stretch but that, that also coincided with, uh, you know, John Collins not being back and, you know, since he's been back, it's been better because now, just in general, the Hawks have an outlet somebody to go to uh, and he can make a play with the ball in his hands whether it be driving to the rim finishing or, you know, making the right read as a passer. Right. Uh, so it's, it's really, it's really helped the team overall. And, you know, and inserting, I feel like inserting Herter, you know, was a much better basketball player. Like that's helped Trey a bit too, just to, just to take the creative load off of himself, off of Trey, just a bit more, you know, Herter, you know, he still has his, Struggles uh, with physicality, but at the same time, he's such a you know he's such a good you know driving kick guy that he's been a boost uh, for the offense overall. Actually, I, I one thing I would like to see Trey improve on is uh, when he doesn't have the ball in the fast break. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has a tendency to run the lane as if he's uh, as, it's, as as if this is high school, and you know him being six two isn't such a big deal. Um, you know, he really needs to flash to the three-point line every time, like, right. you know, like all the, you know, instead of, so that, you know, the guy who's dribbling the ball, you know, in the middle of the lane has, um, an option that's not, okay, give it to Trey Young on a fast break and hope he finishes a, a contested layup against, you know, some, you know, against multiple guys. That's, you know, that's not a winning formula for him in particular. He needs to fade to the three-point line and, um. Hope that his either his, you know the guy who's dribbling the ball makes the right read if he's open, or you know at the very least he'll cause gravity where guys will go to him and make the lay you know the fast break opportunity a bit better. Uh, you do see it a couple times where he's just and, and he's young, so like you know a lot of like and that's something very easily coachable. I'm pretty sure like Lloyd Pearson coach and coach and company have seen it on the film. They're like, hey Trey, like you know. Sprint to the corner. You know, it's you know sure. that if you do that, that'll that'll make our fast break. That'll make our fast break even more lethal. If you don't have the basketball, if you do have the basketball, you know, do your thing because you're such a gifted passer. Like we, you know, we trust you to make the right decision on the break. But if you don't, you you in particular because of your lack of height, uh, you have to sprint to the corner because uh, that that's where you'll provide the most value as a, a somebody get- running running the lane.
0: Okay. I mean, there. His shot, like he's small, and he doesn't really elevate for that shot. Like, I think there are going to be times when if he does that, he's not going to be able to get his shot off. But he's still going to attract enough attention from the defense. It's that if he makes the right decisions, it's still a plus that if he does that.
1: Well, I mean, it's a plus that he does that just so that he can pull somebody right. away from the rim. I mean, cause I mean, you saw it last game against the Hornets. I think it was two times where he uh, he was running the lanes, and you know, fundamentally, that's what you're supposed to do. That's what you're taught, you know, all through you know basketball infancy, where hey, if if you're running a three on two fast break, both guys run the lane so that you know uh, the guy in the middle can make the right read. The problem is that you know Trey, since you're so small, like it's too easy to recover and block your shot just because you know you, you just don't have the athleticism boost to finish over over uh, anybody so like just like he's he's getting in the way and like if he does fade to the corner sprint to the corner all of a sudden some guy he's going to pull somebody out and you know that will just make it easier or if they don't if they don't go with him that makes the decision easier for the ball handler to be okay I got somebody open in the corner sure. I can just hit him instead of what they were doing, which was just, you know. And, they, you know, there was probably a bit of fatigue going on as well with them, you know, second night, back and back. But that's not the first time I've seen Trey do that, where, where he doesn't have the ball in transition. He tends to uh, run the lane instead of, you know, uh, sprinting to the corner and, being, and causing havoc that way.
0: And to backtrack, you know, talking about those long shots, you know, I think the ones where he gets his feet square and he's shooting, you know, From basically with his toes on the logo or his heels on the logo. I mean, he he's made nine of twenty six this season from thirty or more feet, which is basically those shots. That's that's not terrible. I mean, if nine of twenty six, that's more than a third of them. So I mean, that's almost that's good, good. (laughs) right? Yeah,
1: it'd be nice. It'd be nice if he could. Like I said, if he could make any of these. Cause I mean he's making incredible. Like he crossed up Cody Zeller viciously uh, last game, and you know he does that to a couple guys where he gets a big on him. He crosses him up nice, and he gets the open three pointer, and everything, and it's just clanking off the rim. So. That
0: that's the one that you he's know, struggling with is like the ones in the pick and roll play where the defense is kind of exactly. step back. That that's the one that he's got to get better at. He's he's good on just the regular and- give it up and give it back. He's pretty good on the the deep bombs. He's just got to figure out how to make a three when he's in the pick and roll play.
1: And you know that. And that's hard. (laughs) Yeah. It's tough. It's a a tough shot. If if, if, the thing is, if he were making it, then the Hawks would probably be a damn good offense, (laughs) but you know, not. So, you know, that's, you know, that's just one of the things like, and that shot takes time. Like it, it took Kimba, what, seven years into his pro career. And yeah, you know, it, it, it's it's a tough shot to make and and so like I, I think he'll get there. It it he's helped himself. Like I said, like in in these this stretch of games that he's playing, he has helped himself in that he's no longer taking just terrible fadeaway threes. Like that's the one shot that he that he probably needs to park and put a, put in the uh put Which uh, under lock and key for a couple of seasons. Des- describe it to me. Two points where he's where he's taking so he's taking a um. A sidestep, uh, okay. pull up, and then he's fading to his right. Uh, he probably needs to take that one away. I know what you're talking about. That, that, that—like those have no chance. Like right. they flat it out. But when he has his feet set, or when he's like when he's making a move off the bounce one on one, and he gets an open look. He's not hitting those, and but those are good shots. Like he's resetting his feet and getting he's getting good separation. They're just not going down. And then you know the ones like we talked about. One he's struggling with the most, really, with the uh, you know pulling up from three off a, a a good screen, like and the you know the big is hanging back. He's just yeah. not making them, and so you know that that's for him. That it's a different angle, uh like it's a different type of shot than than the ones we've described because uh, you know it, it's harder to get your feet set on those and get your shot off on time and with you know his release like he has such a small window to get it off that, you know, so it like to me, that, that shot's just going to be something he's just gonna have to work out, work on throughout the season over the summer until, you know, he's really money. So, you know, I, he, the good thing is that he has the shooting talent for it. Um, and I would, and I, and again, I would still suspect that he's going to shoot better from off the dribble threes in general, just due to math, uh, uh, so like I, you know, it, it was just really it was just a really really bad stretch. One for twenty six is terrible, and it was exasperated by, you know, everybody else's struggles because it's not like anybody else was playing particularly well during that stretch as well. But you know, John Collins has made life a lot easier for the team as a whole, and you can see it in that, you know, um, you know they're they're playing better and they're you know they're they're playing some good basketball. It, through the entirety of stretch. You can say going back to uh going back towards uh the Clipper game, uh, from then on, you know, they had a really bad one against the Raptors, but you know, and the yeah. the Celtic game, you know, the Celtic game was weird in that, you know, the bench was really good, but the starters were just so bad that they really like to start the game they just didn't have a chance. But they like dirt even though they lost by like eighteen, they did play good basketball mm-hmm. within that. Um, whereas the Raptors game, they just they were just terrible throughout. Uh, so, and that, that was really their only clunker um, from the last two weeks or so. The rest, they they played some good games. They've been in they they've been in those games, and you know they they had a chance to win uh, even last night against the Hornets if they could have made the the threes they were generating.
0: Uh, with, with Herter in the starting lineup, he seems to have the green light to try to go find offensive rebounds. Is, is that something that surprises you? Do you think it's a good idea? It's, maybe he has a knack for it or he's demonstrated a knack for it. Do, does he look good doing it? Cause it seems like he's really got a green light that maybe some of the other wings don't in terms of going, going hunting for those.
1: Well, he's a good rebounder in general. So, yeah. you know, it, yeah, you know, he's such a good athlete. Like he's he's very good off of two feet. So it's one of those situations where he he's he's got the length and the athleticism to go get him. And, and like I said with John Collins, you know, kind of freeing up the lane for him. Like it's it's probably one of those. He's such a smart basketball player where he's he's just making the right. Like to me, Herter and these offensive rebounds is him making the right read as a basketball player. Where he's not. Like, you compare him to, like, say, Spellman, where is just running running into the lane and hoping for the best.
0: <laughs> like, Kevin
1: Hurd – like, I mean, Kevin Hurd's reading the ball off the rim. Yeah. Like, he's reading the ball off the rim, and, he, and he's, he's like, okay, I have a chance at this. Let me go get it. It's like, a I geometry problem. Like, yeah, yeah. Where, you know, other guys are kind of just – you know, I, I don't really – you know, I don't really trust – like, they they're, they're, they're not making that same read put it that way, like they're not they're not making that read as a basketball player to go after the ball that they can't
0: potentially get. Okay. Uh since the last time we've recorded Justin Anderson has really gotten his first look of the season and I don't know I mean I I feel like I know the kind of basketball player he is, but I don't know if does does he make sense for the rotation? Should he be in it? Should he not be in it? You know what? What role should he have if he is in it? I mean, I. I, I,
1: mean, I think does he does he, dupe, be in does it. he duplicate nah,
0: too many things that are already there? That's another thing. Like, is he is he too much like some of the other players? I mean, like,
1: does he does he really duplicate? Because you know, one of those. Well, guys I mean, if you that... put
0: him, if you put him in there with like. Bembry and Bazemore, then you've got a bunch of guys who are really strong defenders. I just don't know, like, if that's your bench unit, do you have enough offense?
1: Uh, I mean, it depends on what you, you know, supplant them with. I feel like, you know, him. Justin Anderson the before, you know, there's some lineups uh, you can put out there, even uh, with Bembry and Baysmore that you could potentially work. Uh, right. I but, mean,
0: if if, if the you know, Hawks' if they, goal was to try to make the playoffs, he should be the backup power forward and not Omari Spellman. Like, that's fine. I mean, but that's not their goal. So, like, I assuming mean, not, that you have to play Spellman then, you know, what's the right role for him, for Anderson? I mean, then if
1: Spellman, then there, I, I just don't think there's going to be minutes. Unless, you know, they play a team like the Hornets that go small. And then, you know, you don't. Then you kind of just sub Alex Len out for for uh, Justin Anderson, which is what they did last game. But right. I mean, to me, ideally, he should be playing every game just because I mean, I mean, his his physicality, activity level, defensively is such a boost, and his size. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, it's no, it's no, it's noticeable. Uh, yes. his defense compared to say uh, the guy who's starting ahead of him, and who's the guy like starting that? ahead of him? Torian Prince. I mean, oh, okay. so
0: I'm not. Uh, I'm not asking you uh, to drag somebody through the mud. I just like I don't know Anderson's position when when you say that. So I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, for sure.
1: Yeah, because so, like you were like you were like if the Hawks were trying to you know win playoff games. Gotcha. Like man. What... Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah. Okay, I mean, I talked I talked
1: about it with with Brad Roland on on uh, on the lockdown podcast. So if you want to hear my thoughts on Torian this season, you can go go with that route. But. Sure. Like I said, it is noticeable considering that they're both similar height and weight, you know, basketball players, how much better Justin Anderson has been as a defender.
0: I mean and j like he Anderson's like the second best athlete after John Collins on the team. Like he's he's phenomenal in just in terms of athleticism. Like he he brings a yeah, lot to and, bear on a game.
1: And you know, and it goes back to my point that, you know, Justin Anderson's like you know, we—I did say like it's on one hand, it's been a boost that Lloyd Pierce has found, you know, shortened the rotation. At the same time, Justin Anderson is kind of too good to not be playing, uh, to me. You know, this—it's this, it, like you, you gotta find minutes somehow for him. It's and like to me, like the the easy the easy mark is Spelman because even though he has played better, um, you know. He's, he's just rookie. not a like. He's not a power like Spellman's not a power forward. Like he should only be playing minutes at the center. Right. And the Hawks have two, you know, guys in Deadman and Alex Land who are just better than him. And you know, Collins is better than him at the four and the five. So, like to me, like playing Spellman at the four, it's 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 it, it, it's asking a lot for him right. as a basketball. It's asking a lot for Spellman now at the same time, I can see why Spellman is playing in the sense that, you know, the Hawks do need his shooting, even though the shots haven't gone down.
0: Right. They,
1: like his three-point shooting, he's a better, he's probably a better three-point shooter than both Alex Lane and Dwayne Dedman. So that goes into my, my original point where, you know, Spellman should be cutting into those guys. Man, he's, like, Justin Anderson kind of like they, I mean, they they need his activity level defensively because he generates steals and you know they get looks and easy looks and transitions just based on his activity. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know he, he he causes havoc as a defender. And you know you should always lean towards uh, playing you know your better basketball players just in general. And you know Anderson's a better basketball player than Spillman. And uh, I get why. Spelman is playing, right? But it's not, you know. But but here's a here's another situation. Uh, Spelman's going to be here for, he he's got three years, you know, guarantee. Right. We you know we we got, but there's no rush to see what type of basketball player Spelman is today. With Justin Anderson, he he's a restricted free agent this upcoming season. Also, got to see what they got in him. Uh, okay, you know they they traded it. You know, to me, they traded a good. Role player and Mike Muscala, yeah. you know his positives aside, like the Hawks could use Mike Muscala today. Sure, uh, his shooting and just his overall, you know, presence as a basketball player, defender, uh, rim protector, all that good stuff. Uh, they could they could use him, and he Muscala probably would be playing, you know, if he were here. Uh, but you know, Justin Anderson, restricted free agent and going to be a restric- upcoming restricted free agent, uh, you know, this offseason, and. Like, to me, the Hawks got to see what they got in him, um, you know, if they want to entertain potentially paying him, uh, you know, a decent-sized contract and see what what his value is uh, as a wrestling player because they did give up an asset to take him. They didn't have to trade Muscala right. for him in particular. So uh, – but I, I would suspect that – I would suspect towards, you know, he's going to be a, a mainstay in the rotation uh, and, like – the uh, you know, thing just due to the fact that you know in the NBA things happen, sure. whether it be trades or injuries. Injuries, so,
0: yeah. I, mean... I, I wouldn't
1: be too, yeah. I would be, I wouldn't be too concerned with Justin Anderson not playing uh, uh, at the moment. And, and again, he played like what twenty seventeen twenty minutes last night, right? Uh, and even against the Heat, like, like I think it was pretty. Tough. Lloyd Pierce wasn't afraid to go to him. Cold, like he did, He he only played like two minutes, but. Right. he played the most important minutes towards the end uh just as a defensive as a defensive guy so i i think it's i think there's a trust level with that Pierce has with him oh and
0: absolutely because you know, he he had yeah, him in Philadelphia and, and, he's like the he's like the perfect he's he seems like a coach's dream to me like he just seems like a guy that Pierce is going to like so like even if he's not in the rotation you know Spellman feels like the the guy that Pierce will say, you know what, player X, you're playing like crap tonight, just get in there. You know what I mean? You're just kind of like a looting yeah. threat.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, you can see that. You can see that.
0: And, uh, but I mean,
1: he like to me, he's probably a bit too good to be doing that. But you know, right. the, on the positive end, it's because of Benbury and Herter playing so well that you know, it sucks that Justin Anderson was hurt while everybody else was hurt, right. and he couldn't really get show his value as a basketball player but I would suspect with you know Lloyd Pierce probably going to play some more small ball five that Justin Anderson is going to be in there as a four uh just due to you know probably being the best option um for
0: that role and I talked with Justin Anderson last night like you know his his progress you know the way they laid out his injury rehab you know, he basically had a couple of months there where he could get on a basketball court, but he couldn't do contact stuff. So, like, he mm-hmm. spent months, like, just working on his jump shot. Like, he spent a long time working on it. And it, I, you know, yeah, I think he's in that weird phase now where, okay, I, I know how to shoot it. But, you know, now you're playing against the world's best defenses. He's he's still figuring out, like, how to do it when he's a little bit tired, how to do it when there's a little bit of defense around. I think he's he's eventually gonna get to the point where if he if he's open, you know, he can be a, a competent shooter. I mean I think his career percentage is like thirty percent and I think you know I think he's probably a little bit better than that and, and the fact that he's spent time working on it just because he really couldn't work on anything else and he's working with competent coaching, I, I think he'll get better. I mean
1: the the form looks good in the game. Uh, it's yeah.
0: consistent. It's just
1: you know it's it's just not dropping. That's just
0: right. It hasn't fallen. NBA, sadly, it doesn't matter. It doesn't
1: matter how good your form is. Yeah. You know. So like, he's... but I mean, as long as it's consistent, that that's that's been a plus. Um, And but I mean, his up, other aspects of his game look really good. Like I've I've enjoyed. Like it's hard not to like Justin Anderson. He, he's oh a, my goodness. He's yeah. a type of player that fans that fans that fans love to see. Just. Mm-hmm. uh, just by the way he plays. So um, hopefully he can get out, you know, hopefully, he, uh, you know, Lloyd Pearson will find a way to get him consistent in uh, and it. And I would suspect that, you know, that, that will eventually happen. Uh, so I, I wouldn't be too concerned
0: with that. Right. But uh, If he's the know, 11th this, guy, this app, typically somebody is going to be hurt and he'll be one of the top 10 guys, just on the average. Like you don't usually have your top 11 guys healthy. So he, he's yeah, going to get yeah. his chances. Uh, you mentioned before you're like, Spellman Spellman should be a five. I think we've seen a little bit of it. Uh, actually, I queued up some numbers here. We've seen like 13 minutes of it so far this season where Collins and Spellman have played together. Kent, do you think that can work? Is that Spellman-Collins uh, yeah. up front? Just because of their strength
1: as basketball players, where Spellman's... is. Mm-hmm you know, catch and shoot threes and Collins is rolling to the rim. Uh, so, you know, I think that can work. And, you, you know, it's and it, in general, it's like these last two games, uh, you know, small emphasize all that. It, it has been good to see him switch out on guys. Because the Hawks have gone to a more switching scheme. Right. I think that's helped them. uh. Um, <laughs> Mm-hmm. Defensively, even with Trey Young on the floor, uh, even with Alex Lynn, I think Alex Lynn did it a couple of times against the Heat. But but I think you know, it's a lot. I think that's good. a
0: lot of the reason why he didn't play last night is because you know, I, you know, with with Collins back in the lineup, Lloyd Pierce wants to do more switching, especially when he puts Collins at the five. And and I asked him about it, and he said as much that basically you know that, that Collins gives him that option. So exactly. they're getting more into the switchy defenses now where they're switching across even more positions than they might normally. And so, you know, Len makes that harder, but Collins makes it a lot easier. And, uh, you know, you, you're seeing more of it. And I, I I honestly think that's why Len didn't play last night is that they wanted to do that. And that's not – I mean, he can do it on rare occasion, but it's not something you want to play. You, know, uh, you don't really want him to I
1: mean, Len. Like I, I think it. I don't. I don't even think it's that. I think Lin just didn't play because the matchup wasn't there. Uh, right. The Hornets only played Cody Zeller at center, and basically with Dedmon starting, that in matching minutes, basically one for one. Like there, there was really wasn't an opportunity for Lin to play. Like you're yeah. not, you're not going to put Alex Lynn in the game with Michael Kidd Gilchrist essentially being the Hornets five. Like that's yep. That that's a matchup that's just not going to work. Like re- yep. regardless of what scheme you're trying to run, so. You know, I, I think. I mean, it's unfortunate for Lynn because he was playing some good basketball right. um, the last couple of games. But uh, so I, you know, like the. I think that was a smart, uh, smart move on Lloyd's, Lloyd's part of just being situational. You know, the Thunder don't play small. Uh, they got a lot of big boys. Oh, the, Alex
0: and, is uh, going to get a lot of minutes.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I wouldn't be like you know similar to Justin Anderson, like you. You know, it's it's a it's a it's a strange situation at the moment, but again, it's a long season. I, I would suspect that all these guys are gonna get plenty of minutes to show what type of basketball player they are. But you know, it it, it was like ideally I would have liked to see seen Lynn considering Deadman's struggles uh with his decision making, which I think has been a problem for Deadman. Mm-hmm. Um, in that he's hesitating on his threes now and he's hesitating. Like he's just doing a lot of hesitating in general. Like right. even his passes, he's hesitating on to make the right pass, like he's hesitating mm-hmm. to shoot the ball or, you know, sometimes he's not even looking to shoot from 3 when nobody's guarding him and that's you know that's a, that's a major that's a major red flag for him as a basketball player. So, you know, with his struggles, you I would have liked to see Lynn um get uh get Desmond Desmond's minutes but you know, Ded- Dedmon is the more proven, better, ba- you know, proven uh, basketball player. Sure. Though, you know, you know, with how their contract situation was set up, Allison is going to be here longer. So, it- it's just it's 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 a weird situation. But um, I would suspect that, you know, this, this you know, Lynn not playing is an anomaly, mm-hmm. just based on because the Hornets the Hornets are a revolutionary in that they they flat out just don't play a center when Cody's over is not in the game. Like they, like, I think for the, Brago does that for the best where he's like, you know what? My, my best guys aren't like Cody's on the only good center. I have, why would I play, you know, a bad basketball player just to match up, yep. you know, with the other team. I was just going to play Michael Kidd Gilchrist at center and just, you know, cause havoc as a switch team on defense and, you know, getting to the rim and, Drawing fouls, and that's and the Hornets were pretty good at doing that last night.
0: Yep. Uh, anything else you want to hit on? No, I think we, we talked
1: this Hawks team up a lot. Uh, I don't really have anything extra. Um, go United, you know, hopefully by the time everybody hears this.
0: Oh, that's right. Uh, yeah, won. you're trying to get to the soccer game. All right, yeah, I, I won't hold you any longer. Uh, <laughs> Rate, review, no wait, subscribe, rate, review. Yes, sir. All right. Till next time, Tyler. Have a good one.
1: You too.